Welcome to What's Left to Do. I'm your host, Janelle. This week, we get to hear from Mr. Don't Believe the Hype himself, Aaron Mate. Listen, give this man his flowers. Over the past five years, he has tirelessly run down the Russiagate conspiracy with pinpoint precision and is finally being publicly vindicated with recent developments like Igor Donchenko's indictment for lying to the FBI, which you can hear more about on his own podcast, Pushback with Aaron Mate. But before he became a thorn in Rachel Maddow's side, (laughs) and even before he was an intrepid producer on Democracy Now!, he was simply Aaron, a young tyke from Vancouver who got his first start in journalism as his elementary school's gossip columnist? Okay. Well, we're back out on the road that I may never come back in from. And who are we sitting down with today? Well... I had to physically be sitting down with him to, to, to um, what's the word I'm looking for? To really uh, be confronted with the fact that your boy has a nasty shoe game that I feel like he's real, real subtle about. He tries to like cloak it and hide it, kind of like the things that he uncovers as a journalist. That's it's a really interesting kind of um, situation we find ourselves in. This is Gabor's son who, I also adore and love. Uh, this is the man for the past like five years saved my black ass mind from like the Russiagate nonsense. And I really just wanted to say thank you for that because like, good God, it just, I don't know. It kept me, it kept me sane. So thank you for all you do. We are sitting down today with Aaron Mate. What's up, Aaron? Hey, Janelle, how you doing? <laughs> <clears throat> I'm good. Do you wanna, you wanna plead your case real quick about your sneaks? You, within a minute of meeting me, one hundred percent, yeah, were were, you know, made us some some strong comments about my footwear, That's right? right. Uh, why was that though? You were accusing. Well, why why did I do that though? Because well, did you come down here in some like some like humble dusty converse? No, you did. Your 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 contention is that I'm is that I'm is that I'm. Um, is that my shoe game is disgusting? But by which you mean I'm I'm flexing? Yeah, right? that's right. Hard flex. And my contention is is uh-huh. that I mean I, I am a, a listen sneaker. closely to the way that he's trying to couch <laughs> what he's about to say. Please go ahead. Mm-hmm. I mean I, I I've always been a uh, a sneakerhead okay. you know since a very young age. Okay. But I mean what I feel like you didn't give me the chance to mm-hmm. do was fully explain the context in which I acquire. The shoes, which is a which is a major part of the story. Is which it? Is, it is. Please, because do. you commented you because you commented on the on the presumed price of these shoes. That's right. Right, assuming that I I'm the kind of person who would, you know, while being like a left wing <laughs> journalist, you know, while being left wing journalist, uh-huh. is like secretly spending hundreds of dollars on expensive sneakers. That was that was the premise, really much. Yeah. Of your, uh-huh. Yeah. What I was what I was real thrilled thrilled that you get together. Come on, battle. I'm thrilled to get the chance to explain publicly okay. is that, you know, I only cop on eBay. Second, you know, not directly from the retailer. So I'm always buying at a discounted price. And I'm also heavy into 
the Chinese rep market, which is where you buy the knockoffs. Uh-huh. You know, the thing. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not a sneakerhead, and those are not knockoffs. I do know that. These much. are not knockoffs. That's These right. are not. And how much, <laughs> just, just taking a stab in the dark here, like how much do those retail for? I don't even know, but I can tell you how much I'm going to take a picture, and I will be posting this on social media, and I will let the people be the judge. Uh-huh. Go ahead. I can tell you how much I, I paid for them. Which was? Which was $80. I don't believe that, Aaron. I, I'm going to show you the receipt. 80 USD? 80 USD. Aaron, you're... 80 USD. Aaron, I came all this way. You just lied to my face in the first five minutes. I have, it, I have it in my eBay account. Okay. You know. We'll be asking for receipts. <laughs> and that's right. Um, so you were... I'm going to make a ham-fisted segue. So you were stomping around <laughs> Vancouver growing up in your yes. fresh sneaks. Is that's that right. correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about what it was like growing up under the luminous... Tutelage? No, you're not. A, you're not tutelaged by your parents, I guess. But what was it like growing up in Vancouver? I know your dad is a. He's like a world-renowned psychoanalyst, psychotherapist. I don't know that there's. He's not, a, I don't yeah, know he's not even actually a. He's not even a licensed therapist. He's just a doctor. Really? Yeah, he's just a doctor who who pivoted to the to really? therapy. But he's not. You know, he's 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 just a, a normal doctor. And so someone like him, mm-hmm. who. Uh, has a wider lens than just like the, the what you're normally taught in, mm. in Western psychotherapy. Sure, sure. Has been able to, you know, really contribute something valuable. Uh, I see. To the to the entire field. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Were and you so, aware of the gravity of like your father's work growing up? Or it was just like, oh, Well, when I was growing up, he wasn't, he was, his main thing was, uh, he didn't have this kind of like, he didn't have, he didn't really break out in, uh. into who he is currently now until uh. I was, um, you know, in my early twenties, I think, or maybe late teens. But <laughs> I mean, for I mean, he's always been he was well known in Vancouver, and he he was a well known personality in Canada. But in terms of like his influence on sure, sure. you know psychology and addiction, that didn't happen until until later on. So mm-hmm. I mean, but yeah, he was always a a well known figure, and he was known for for his politics. He was a ah. radical in in university, and then when I was growing up, he was going to. Some of my earliest memories, political memories, are he went to Nicaragua during the Dirty War Whoa. and just, just to visit as a, as a physician. Then he also went to the Occupied Territories. Yep. And uh, one of my first political memories, really formative ones, was hearing him on the radio hmm. when I was like, I don't know, I must have been 11 or 12 mm-hmm. or I don't know, 10. Um, break down crying because he was in oh. the Occupied Territories of the West Bank and seeing Israel crack down on uh. Palestinian protesters yeah. in the first intifada. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of was his public persona. Mm. Uh, but that was the bulk of it, it was political. And it was only later on that he became so well known and influential in the, in the psychotherapy realm. Mm-hmm. Did you, was it, did, did you, growing up, did you have an explicit understanding of your father's politics or like, did you have your own takeaways from it or, or that of your parents or did you kind of have to start putting that together later on as like maybe a, an adolescent, an older adolescent, like teen? Yeah, no, they, no, we were always just left wing and <laughs> my immediate, my immediate family was my uncle, my, my father's brother, Janos was, uh, he worked for Greenpeace <laughs> and was like doing, he was going out into the ocean and protesting uh, nuclear testing <laughs> and so we've just always grown up around this left wing thing. And so that was just with me from a very young age. But how did you understand it as a child, do you think? I understood it just as, you know, we were fighting the power, mm-hmm. you know, and that the power was of? the power of the bad people in society ah, okay. and the people who are exploiting other people. That was just, it just, it made sense to me from a very young age. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's a moment of like rebellion where like, 
I, uh, yeah, like there was a brief moment of rebellion for me when like I, you know, I thought it was cool to be like Alex P. Keaton from Family Ties. Mm. He, he was like the conservative kid to his Around hippie parents. When did we start making like a cons- quote conservative rebellion? Well, no, there was a moment where I just thought it was kind of like interesting. And I, 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 so I like be anti what the family. Yeah, to be anti what the, but okay. then I also, but then I also realized also that I just, I've always, I just believed in that stuff. I, I believed mm. in the left wing thing. I just, sure. you know. Um, you needed something to rebel against, something to press. Yeah, against. yeah, yeah. But yeah. so, but there was a moment. I mean, like my parent, you know, there's a there's a brief moment of panic for my parents when I was in like the second grade. I would like I started, I went through this phase where I dressed really conservative. Like what? Like I would, wear, I would wear like a cardigan and uh, and I would like I would like comb my hair to the side and part it, and I would like wake up early and and I had this I had this persona of being like a businessman. As and a second grader. As a second grader. My were par- you like, the, were, how? A businessman, how? And I, you know, that was just, you know, that was just my persona. I just identified with it. And I would arrive to school very early. I would, uh-huh. wake, I would wake up like before my parents and just walk to school. And they were a bit freaked out, I think. But it was also probably pretty funny <laughs> to see. But, I, you know, I snapped out of all that pretty quickly. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you had, you, had a, you had a, who was buying you the cardigans? I mean, I, I assumed that my parents let me get them. Okay. You know, I, I wasn't going to the store by yeah, myself. Yeah, right. You know. Okay. But, uh, and then also I was a child actor as a kid too. And I was, my first gig was like a, a war toy commercial. And there was a bit of a dilemma, like, uh, should we let them do it or not? But right. ultimately they were, they were cool enough to let me do it. Cause that was my dream. You know? Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm just, I'm trying to put together a composite of, of young Aaron. Yeah. So you, 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 you understood your family's politics the, the language you have for it now is like we are a lefty family we are fighting against the bad yeah. kind of forces of the world but maybe just just to be different be a, maybe a little ironic you know i'm going to be a, a little brooks brothers <laughs> figure within the within the family maybe loafers definitely a cardigan and you know very very i don't know if studious is the right word but like or perfunctory but like i'm gonna get to school early yeah. i'm gonna I'm going to be upright and, and be, I don't know, just, I don't know, demonstrative in a, in a way that maybe is a little foreign to, to the way my parents act. But then you shook yourself out of that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. What, what, how would your family and or your village, your community, like what type of student were you like growing up? Uh, I, w- you know, I was a good student up until the age of like 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. And then things started getting a little bit difficult for me because my parents went through a really hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom went through a very big depression. Mm. My father was not supportive at all. Of, of, her, of her moving through the depression? Uh, yeah, he, ah. he became, you know, I mean, this is, he's talked about this, so this is not like a, a family secret, but yeah. I mean, he was not always this evolved emotional person. Sure. Right? I mean, sure. he, it had to be a lot of suffering, Sure, a lot of suffering, a lot of pain, before you know he got to the place where he is now you know and even of course now it's still an ongoing process but but growing but you know uh for my my parents had a very rough marriage when i was growing up Mm. and uh and my mom went through a huge depression and did you understand what was happening i i did uh or did you just know something was off about mom with her yeah i didn't fully understand it and i I didn't fully understand it Mm. i i remember being I definitely absorbed a lot sure. without me fully knowing at the time, but mm. I, I got very angry. Uh, and I think all that was just, you know, my 
subconscious response to a situation I didn't understand. Because uh, you know? uh, uh, I just remember my mom being very, very sad mm. all the time. Sure. All the time. And I didn't know. And I, I remember my, my father, just him being angry. Uh, that was like the, that was the. The dynamic. That was the dynamic. Just an angry father and a really sad mother. I see. I see. And, and, you're, and maybe the way you absorbed that was like some like stress and anxiety and, and that kind yeah. of manifested itself in this yeah. letter. Huh, okay. So I so looking back, I can trace that whole period to then a bit more of being like a, a rebel in school and not, you know, uh, more, you know. Less engaged? Less engaged, more ADD behavior, uh-huh. you know, less, less plugged in, way more plugged into my friend group. Ah. That became like my entire world. Okay. Uh, and that was that you felt you found some sanctuary there. Absolutely. Okay, I mean, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was very, but it was looking back on it. It was a way to find the sort of uh, emotional support uh, that you weren't getting that I home. wasn't getting. I getting see. Home, I see. So, but you, know? you were a good student up to that point. Like, I think so. Yeah, okay. I, I was. Did you I were was. you completely like from that point, maybe 11 till around like leaving for college? Were you did you? Were you just, did you stay kind of like a, a quote bad student that whole time? You weren't a bad student. You were you were you had a lot. I was of just inconsistent. Were, I was you know I was I would talk back to teachers. I became sort of like a. I really identify with being anti-authority, but I took ah, it to an extreme level. You okay. Know? Did you ever like get sent home because you were cussing out teachers or you smacked a hoe in the face? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I got suspended. He goes. There was I got no sus- smacking of hoes. I got suspended <laughs> once. I got during this period. Uh-huh. Like, 11 years old or something. Yeah. I got suspended because I, mo- I mooned some 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 fellow classmates in the square. In? Yeah, I got oh, mo- like at re- recess? At recess, What yeah. was the thought process? I, it was some kind of peer pressure thing. I got like oh, dared to. Oh, you were to, egged yeah. on. Yeah, I, I was, I was <laughs> egged on. So I mooned some classmates and I got caught because this. the, the, the re- whole ass was out, Aaron. <laughs> yes, yeah. you got caught. Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> and so... And uh, so I was sent home for that. That was, yeah. That, yeah. What was yeah. the discussion like at home? Just like, really? My parents were really upset. Yeah. They were really upset. They were really disappointed. <laughs> and, and my father was really angry. I could see, you know. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. What was the punishment? Like no TV, no uh, Game Boy? I don't Boy. remember. Okay. I don't remember. It was just, it was a dark period for me. It was, you know, it was, yeah. that was. Uh, so dark. <laughs> you had to moon yeah classmates okay that's fun yeah you did you grow up did you grow up uh very observant like in your jewish faith tradition no no it was a thing i mean you know you did high holidays but not like you didn't keep kosher in the home definitely not kosher no in fact well because no 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 only because my family is very secular Ah, and uh and our relationship with judaism is kind of it it was interesting because my father was extremely vocal he was very, very passionate about the Palestinian issue. Oh. And it became even though he was he was once a Zionist. He was once a Zionist. Okay. He was. Yeah. What was his what turned what turned He him basically off? he was a young Zionist yeah. and um and as part of like his Zionist duties, mm-hmm. he had to like write some propaganda. Mm. Uh and so that led him to then read the literature of the opposing side, of like uh, of the okay. Arab side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he did that, he realized that the Arab side was right. <laughs> and sure. telling the truth. And uh-huh. that his side was all was, was propaganda. Gotcha. And that was a huge switch for him. And that and um and it's interesting because you know, his Zionism came as part of this like summer camp that my family's been a part of forever. Mm. It's like this like socialist Zionist summer camp, and it's where, you know my family through multiple generations is gone. And, you know, I still went as a child. And so 
we were still always in, so we were still always involved, yep. but yet we always still stood firm in our politics when it comes to Israel. So that created this, uh-huh. this tension where we were like, we were still, we were not totally cut off from the Jewish community, but yeah. we were in it, but yet we were, you know, my dad was very vocal on uh-huh. the Palestinian issue. And so that just always created some tension. So for example, um, you know, I went to Sunday school uh-huh. and, but then I came home one day and I told my dad what I had learned about how like, you know, Israel was empty and the, the Jews came there to make the flowers bloom. Mm-hmm. And then the Arabs just wanted to destroy Israel. And then he was like, you never have to go there again. Ah. Uh, so that's what saved me from Sunday school uh-huh. was, was my father's anti-Zionism, which, which was great for me. Yeah. But then I still did. I still went to summer camp yep. and I were, I made all, I made all these incredible friends that I still have. And I saw, I had a bar mitzvah, which was a great experience for me. So it's like, we, you know, like we were kind of, so we did do certain things, but just, there was always a clear, Israel was always hanging over mm. the whole thing and mm. just kind of like, and we just would never let that go, uh, you know? Did you, did you, did you, among your, among your other Jewish friends growing up, did you kind of have to hide your, your father's politics about anti-Zionism in order to just kind of like go along, get along? You know what I mean? I think there was a certain point at summer camp when I definitely hit it a little bit, but at a certain point I was just like, I started it became, I became very passionate about it too. So then huh. it became like, I, you know, it became a point of pride. And again, I took it too far. Like I, you know, growing, like there've been times in life when I've gone, to, I've made friends of mine or friends of friends cry because really? yeah, just talking, because you know, Israel's a very sensitive issue for people. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, now it's like to be a supporter of Israel now, it's hard to find them. Like, no, it's, it's not. At least in my in my world, in my like. Well, that's because you're. I mean, you're a lefty. And, yeah, you know, but even okay, so, but even in like the the like liberal Jewish community, it's it's in my New York. Gen- in my well, no, in 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 my I don't know about New York, but in certainly in like in in Vancouver, like no one's gonna come out now. Really, at, at least in my broad circle, and say I'm. I support the Israeli huh. government. Okay. It wasn't always like that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I was always the minority, but now okay. it's like it's pretty much it's more widely accepted. Sure. That Israel's sure. You know, was um, there was there anything that you you yourself read or watched or understood that helped you kind of reinforce that uh, that um, kind of uh, anti-Zionism growing up? Well, it was my father going to the occupied territories and telling me about what he saw, mm. like this uprising of a oppressed people against a uh, colonial apartheid ruler. I mean, that, you know, just telling him telling the stories, and he brought back a bullet. He brought back a bullet that he picked up from a... Um, a physical bullet. A bullet, oh, yeah, okay. that had been shot at a young Palestinian uh, and and uh, and seriously wounded them. Ooh. And he kept the bullet on our mantelpiece. Aye. So that was probably a, sure. a strong physical. What else is going to do? And then, you know, I started reading Edward Said and yeah. um, Noam Chomsky and, oh, sure. you know... Uh, and, I, and then I would start arguing with people and I would I would just see that the, you know, the the arguments used to sustain... Zionism were racist and yeah. colonial and, uh, and ahistorical. I see. You know, interesting, huh? I, mm, okay, and I'll, <laughs> just just a dumbass aside because I'm an idiot. I didn't know until I was like almost thirty that you were Jewish. I always thought you were like South American because of your last name. I, I always say I'm, I, that's the biggest compliment that someone can give me. I did. They- <laughs> Wait a minute, and you you hold a little bit of a tan. I was like, oh, he's not like from Lima or something. Yeah. And that yeah. well, the uh, Mate, the name, yeah, it, it, it's the accent on the E. If it was accent. no accent, no, but also it's a you know it's a T. It's a, it's a very famous yes, T, you know. But the thing is, it's purely I don't know how that became a Hungarian name too. But basically, <laughs> the the original family name was Meltzer. 
Oh. But that, but uh, around the time of the Holocaust yeah. to basically evade the Nazis, uh-huh. my oh, grandparents they, changed it from Meltzer to Mate. Ah, and, okay. And, you know. But why not like just melt or like why my, that did that just sound I don't know but whatever Jewish? it was I'm so, I, it's a cool it's a cool <laughs> name I'm grateful for it I mean I, I think I wonder psychologically how I would be if my name was Aaron Melter which sounds like so much nerdier and uh, and Jewish okay. than, than Aaron Melter I would have been right know? you'd be a lot yeah. more coy with the kicks I think maybe if you were a Melter there we go there we go <laughs> oh God I felt like such an idiot when I learned that that's fine but we know now and it's all good hey uh, I'm, I'm thrilled. <laughs> did you did you have an understanding of your family's like class standing growing up? Maybe not as such, but did you did you think that yes. mostly people live like you, or did you think like, oh, I'm no, super no. fortunate, or I'm super poor? Like, how did no, you understand no, no, it? No, I mean, my uh, no, I definitely was very class con. I mean, my grandfather was a. Um, both my grandparents, you know, struggled, you know, raising my parents. Paternal grandparents, or did you say both sets? Both sets, okay. yes. And they, you know, my grandfather was a house painter, you oh, know, okay. and uh, and he struggled, you mm-hmm. know, and but Canada was, you know, um, like Vancouver for a long time was pretty affordable. So mm-hmm. they were able to they, they bought a house way before the housing market there became insane. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, eventually they were able to retire and be and be OK. And then my and then they had three kids, including my father and two, and, and they supported them. Mm-hmm. But, and then my uh, grandparents on my mother's side, they had a little, they had a laundry, mm. uh, a coin laundry. And but they also always struggled. Sure. And so uh, I, uh, so I just knew from, you know, my parents always telling, and my grandparents always talked to me about, you know, how hard it was for them and how, uh, you know, the, the importance of taking care of everybody in society mm. and how the way I had it growing up was a lot better than how my parents had it sure. growing up. And, and then also my father would constantly remind me of that too, mm. that, you know, um, just the importance of, uh, of how lucky one is to, you know, not have to worry about your basic needs. You but know? did you, but how did you understand that? Did you understand that as like my, my grandparents, like we, we have done better generationally. Like my parent, my grandparents, yeah, you know, were kind of not sh- maybe struggled. I don't know if that was the word you would have used, but my grandparents struggled. My parents did a little better, better, were able to do better than that because of those sacrifices. And we are fill in the blank comfortable. We are yeah, rich. We're, we are we're privileged. We're, uh, we're, okay. we're, you know, like, uh, you know, my father was a doctor, you know, so I just, um, you yeah. knew that y'all had a good. Like you did. You you knew y'all had a good. Like you didn't want for anything. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. We, I, and we just, and we're constantly just told to be you know be to, grateful. For, be very grateful uh-huh. for you know the fact that we you know and we would constantly. I mean you know were you know my my parents were were had very strong they strongly identified with socialism and all that stuff and so we constantly talk about class and the importance of unions and, you know, all that lefty stuff, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. I see, I see. Did you, like, was, was it routine to, like, have these discussions at, like, dinner or on long walks in the evening? Like, did you have an explicit understanding of your parents' like ideology is, like, you know, true, or I don't, I was gonna say Trudeau, but he wasn't the president when you were growing up, but whoever was the president, you know, like, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to lower taxes on the rich and we need to, we need you to understand, like, you know, how, why that is, you know, not great or regressive or dull. Like, did you, were the, were the conversations super explicit or you just kind of like pick things up by osmosis from the adults yeah, around Yeah, it, it was more osmosis. It, it just, the topic would always come up. And mm. uh, my father, Gabor, especially was, you know, he was deep into Marxist literature and he would just talk about it all the time. He'd talk about the importance of reading Marx, understand wow. the world and, uh-huh. you know, class relations and all that mm. stuff. And, you know, um, 
So it just was always around. Uh, okay. When it was time for you to leave for school, like, what was the plan? Like, were you absolutely expected to go to college? Like, did they, did your parents have an idea for your life? Like, they looked at you and like, you're also going to be a doctor or we want you to be the lawyer or, or were your, your chops for acting still like being sharpened? Like what? Well, what the, the acting plan? thing was my initial dream, but, um, the stuttering got in the way of that. Oh, and I, you know, did they get you a, a language coach or I don't know. They did. Like no, I, I had a speech pathologist. Yeah. 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 Sorry. And, uh, coach, and, yeah. um, and I, but I, you know, there, for me, there was, there was just always an underlying lack of confidence that I just never fully addressed. And so I hmm. just kind of, I let the acting dream die. Because of, because you were, you were, you, 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 you your confidence took a blow because of the speech thing. Yeah. It was like a dual track. It was like, it was like the speech thing hurt my confidence and the speech thing came from, I think just a confusion about sure, sure. the sadness in my household. I and see. I just, you know, I never, um, that was never the root of it was not addressed. It, it, well, I mean, I tried, you know, I mean, I, I went to, I did, I went to therapy. I did all that stuff, but it just, you know, look, you know, it was just deep emotional stuff that, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still trying to, sure, uh, sure. to address it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, this is everyone's unique individual struggle. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. I, so I had my, so, and then, uh, um, but no, in terms of my parents putting pressure on me, no, there was like, they were, they developed, developed like an extreme, like laissez-faire approach. They oh, okay. just, you know, just no pressure at all. You're supposed to go to college, but you can study what you want and you can be what you want. Uh, yeah, there was, yeah, there was just, there was zero. I just don't remember any kind of involvement in the, mm -hmm. there was no kind of, I mean, I, I wanted to go to college and I, and I did. Uh, in Canada, it's pretty easy because it's like there's not it's not the system here. It's not like Hunger Games. No, it's not. You just no, it's just, you just go somewhere and like there's every there, everywhere is like pretty affordable, mm -hmm. like at least especially compared to the here. U.S. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, like my tuition was like uh, it was something like two thousand dollars a Whoa. semester. Oh, like okay. Yeah. When you but when it was time to go to school, did you did you know? Or did you have an interest that you knew you wanted to pursue? Did you know, quote, what you wanted to be when you grew up? Uh, well, it's funny with me because, like, it was, it was definitely politics. Okay. But I always secretly nurtured this dream of acting. Really? Yeah. And okay. I just, and the thing is, it's funny because I would use, but I didn't have the confidence to go for that. So I would use the politics as, like, a vehicle huh. to, like, compensate for the fact that I wasn't pursuing my creative dreams. What does that mean? Help Which, me well, what, I, you mean. I, what I think it was, I think it, I, I convinced myself mm -hmm. that politics is my sole passion. Okay. It's what I really wanted to do. And it was fulfilling my creative needs. Uh. And, but that was wrong. That was not true. Mm. You know? And I think, I guess I, the impact of that was I like, I poured myself into politics okay. and journalism with a passion, Sure. which had some benefits that I really, you know, I learned a lot and I, I gained, I think, a certain ability to be able to talk about politics and study it and all that stuff. But part of it was done out of a desire to compensate for that. I the fact that I wasn't pursuing a creative pursuit. Do, do, does that mean? Help me understand what that means. Does that mean you threw yourself into politics to try and find some enjoyment, some satisfaction there in that realm, doing journalism or you know following the news of the day, in order to kind of like keep at bay the desire to be an actor? Like you were trying to yes, like get all your fulfillment here because yes. you were a little bit trepidatious about exploring any fulfillment here. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, if I had been more honest with myself, I would have done both because I'm, yeah, yeah, I am yeah. passionate about politics. What are you waiting on? This is you still you still a young little tender, Aaron. What are we doing? Why don't we we, we you could be on a somebody off Broadway something or whatever. What are we waiting? 
hang on. <laughs> Good question. I mean, I've You've taken- You've been on camera, but not acting. No, 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 but I, I've taken, I've taken like, I took improv classes oh, okay. and- you know, I've I've talked about this on, on the Jimmy Dore show. I've tried stand up comedy. Oh, okay. You know, but I haven't pursued it with the same, obviously, zeal, zeal that you did Russiagate, yeah, and we're exactly. gonna get there. <laughs> but we're gonna get back there because we don't have time. You need to bring yeah. all of your gifts to the world. Um, but when you were when you were pouring yourself into politics, were you like were you like writing on the high school paper or like submitting to the local paper or what? Like what? How were you uh, exercising that? In uh, you know. There was no high school paper. There was an elementary school uh, paper and I was the gossip columnist. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Yeah, I had had a column called Grade Five Today. Uh, And- uh, What were you gossiping about? Well, the thing is you weren't allowed to really gossip about, you know, because that would be mean. And so I would end up just writing like, I would end up like dissing the new kids on the block, things like that. Like Like the band. The bands I was jealous of, because new kids were like, all all the girls love new kids, so. (laughs) I would spend a lot of time just dissing new kids. New kids. I can't do it. I can't do that. Um, okay, but that was elementary school. But how were you doing it around high? Like, how were you? In high school, I read this article in the New Yorker magazine. Hmm. Ah, God. And it was about the El Mazate massacre mm. in El Salvador, which is basically the U.S. backed this uh, this death squad mm-hmm. that killed, you know, uh, dozens, hundreds of villagers mm-hmm. in this in this hamlet of El Mazate, and I. And I just read about, you know, the, the, the just sheer, um, the horrors that took place, mm-hmm. the atrocities, and then how the Reagan administration covered it up. Uh-huh. And I just remember thinking, that's what I wanted. I want to just do this. Ah, like, I want to bring. Like that, that, there was a light turned yeah, on. I want, to, I want to just expose the world how the most powerful people ah. commit the worst crimes and then cover it up. Ah. And that was like a big thing. Uh-huh. I forgot the name of the author of the article. Was it Mark? Is it Raymond Danner or Mark? something anyway i'll look it up mm-hmm. um and that really set off a light and that, that that didn't really and then so in university i just started revisiting that and um what, what was it about what was it about revealing that atrocity or or the atrocity and the cover what what was it about it that that hit a vein for you like that brought you alive just um the fact that uh yeah mark danner so mm-hmm. it was by in the new yorker mm-hmm. it's um just the fact that the world's most powerful government has a vested interest in massacring innocent civilians for the crime of them living in a place that the elite of the world want to subjugate. Yeah. And just that the U.S. empire is so sadistic that it's willing to, you know, kill innocent uh, people, you know, in the most horrific ways to impose its will. And then the U.S. media is so subservient that's willing to cover all that up. And it takes, you know, deep digging and a lot of work to get the truth. It, the truth is liberating and can bring freedom how? Or result in what? It can result in some justice. It can result in having the perpetrators named. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it has to do with my own like, uh, you know, experiencing suffering in my household ah. and not knowing what to do with it and just wanting, having a real, just wanting, coming from that and wanting to know, just wanting to know the truth and ah. wanting to be, wanting to be free of oppression. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know. I mean, it, uh, that probably had some, okay. some influence, but hmm. it just really resonated with me. Just the, the idea of like exposing the powerful ah. and uh, gaining some accountability when they hurt the vulnerable just mm-hmm. is 
always really resonated with me. I got you. Okay. So you went to school and you studied what when you left for school? Uh, I was in political science. Then I realized quickly that political science was like a, it's a fake term. Like there's no science of politics, right? Wow. And so, but yeah, we're learning that like, it's, it's like we're pretending as if they're like hard rules mm. and higher truths to sure. like. Or some level of objectivity. Yeah, to this yeah. completely human realm yep. where really it's power relations ah. that, that set the whole thing, mm -hmm. you know? And so um, I dropped out of that and I went into communications, which like mm. in Canada was like, it's not here in the US, I think communications like, you know, people associate that with marketing. But in Canada, it was like communications was like a combination of journalism, yeah. film and media studies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I did. And um, where'd you go to school? Concordia in Canada, in Montreal. Oh, the, did, did you speak French? Did you have to speak French? I did speak French. I, you didn't have to speak French. Okay. And I didn't really speak French in Montreal, but I, I did learn French growing up. Okay. All right. Yeah. And what was school like for you? What was college like? It was great. I mean, I, you know, at a certain point I became, Concordia was really, had a really active uh, Arab student body. Ah. And so they had a group that was really just like really uh, active on the Palestinian issue, hmm. which when I was in school, it became more and more of an issue. I was I was there when the second intifada broke out mm. in 2000. Mm. And so around that time, there was just a surge in student activism. I became really involved in that. Mm -hmm. And so at my school, there was this like alliance of like, you know, kind of like anarchist, lefty people. And then the, the Arab students. And we came together and we... Um, you know, it became like a really, it was like a hotbed for radicalism. And like there was this, in Canada, there was this famous incident where in 2002, Benjamin, Net Benjamin Netanyahu came to my school ah. and there was basically a riot. Oh, you know, it was basically whoa. a riot and, and we stopped the speech from happening. Nice. And um, Ran BB off campus. Say it again? Ran BB off campus. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And, uh, and then, you know, yeah. And then so um, there, there was a documentary made about it that I was in. And so. It just was a very, that was a very formative time for me. And I, you know, um, being involved in student activism. And, hmm. Yeah. Did you lose your mind in college? Tell the truth. If we were mooning at 11, I know that we got wild in college. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Give me a story. I'll wait. Mm -hmm. uh, I was definitely a confused person. I was, what do you mean? I was confused. I About was. what? I just wasn't that happy. Okay. In college? I, I was and I was, was that the residual unhappiness from from the, the difficult period from absolutely. home? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. I mean, I've I've uh, dealt with depression. I think sure. you know for a very long time. So I remember, like around nine eleven, I was um, I was twenty one years old, mm. and I really just around that time for some reason I was convinced that my whole I had wasted my whole life and it was over. I was mm. so convinced that I was twenty one. Imagine thinking that at twenty one, yeah. you know, when you're still even in sure. college. So yeah. anyway, so but so. And again, going back to what I touched on before, I would kind of use politics as a vehicle to escape all that ah, ah. and to try to validate my whole existence. Ah, and mm -hmm. that led to just kind of a not very satisfying life because you're trying to like, you're trying to find meaning mm. and uh, solace mm -hmm. in something that's, that's not meant for that. No. I mean, if you're, if you, you know, you care about politics because you care about the world. Yeah. It's about saving, not about saving yourself. Right. You know, and it's, you're not going to save yourself by trying to pursue justice elsewhere. You're going to save yourself by looking honestly at your own issues That's and dealing right. with them. But yeah. I wasn't doing that, mm. you know. So I, I think that created some suffering for me and mm -hmm. some confusion. Is it because you threw, like, you you were like, uh, you threw yourself into, like, 
you know, following the news and around that time things were things were frightening, they were scary, and it's kind of like, ah, what's happening? You know, the you know, United States is being attacked, and you know, the, the second intervale is happening. Like, there are a lot of bad things going on around the world, and, but, but focusing your, 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 your attention on the exogenous things, you, this sounds wonky, but you weren't able to create some space to like, examine what it is that you would need to have, pursue, do, like for your own personal fulfillment or satisfaction and happiness? Yeah. Ah, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. But what did that, how did that, how did that, how did that look in your social, did you not have a social life? Because it's just like, ah, what's important is my activism and not cultivating relationships in college. Or what's important is, you know, me being as well-read about ABC, XYZ things and, and not, you know, maybe getting drunk and partying and, you know, whatever. I don't know. Like, no, I had a social, I've always had a social life. Mm-hmm. I, I've been blessed with so many friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it just, but it manifested in just, um, you know, just, I don't know, like, that's a tough age when you're in between, like, whatever, 19 and uh, there's, you know, a, there's a lot 20s. going on in your brain. There's a lot going point. on. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. yeah. So it just was. So you, it's not that you were unsatisfied socially, but you were still kind of unsatisfied personally because I, you, you know what it was? I was just dishonest. I was, I was pursuing, I was going all in on this. Like, I was like thinking of myself as this student radical, mm-hmm. you know, lefty. And I am that. I mean, yep. I am a lefty, but I, I was fooling myself and I'm thinking that's all I wanted to do. Ah, because yeah. what you what you would come to find out is that what I want to do is, or what I want to What I want to do is like be, be creative and make people ah, laugh ah, and ah, all those things. And I wasn't doing that. And so I just became, I think that made me um, just, it, it led to some, some, and I want to play music too. I love sure. music. I love music. I, you know. Um, I played human. bass in, in a high school, and that was like, I love, and it brought a certain, it brought a certain like uh, uh, level of joy in my life that I can't even describe. And I abandoned all that. Ah, ah, ah. And I think, you know, so that sort of tension between like pouring myself into something that I do believe in. Sure. But doing it at the expense of the whole other human. things other that things. I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that created some suffering. Ah, I see. I see. Yeah. Okay. Buckle up, buttercups. Where do we go in part two? We go there. That's right. <laughs> the tea on his time at Democracy Now!, who he almost sold out to and why, as well as the fork in the road of his career to pursue Russiagate. You do not want to miss it. So head on over to Patreon to hear part two at patreon.com slash what's left to do. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash what's left to do. If you'd like to support this work via other means, please head to what's left to do dot com slash support to leave a little something in the tip jar. Okay, see you over on Patreon for part two.